When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth, talking all things transfers, managers, drama, because that is what we're getting in the Premier League, and especially in London at present. Tottenham and Chelsea. Chelsea may be coming out of their disarray, but they've been in, in disarray for the duration of the season. Tottenham really, really entering their own phase of... I hate the word banter, but, you know, we're right in the midst of it. Uh, I am with uh, two not Spurs fans today, not Chelsea fans either in Toby and Graham. We do usually have Spurs and Chelsea representation on here, but we'll just poke fun and analyse the situation ourselves from the outside looking in. Uh, Toby, how's it going? Good. Yeah, West Ham from being the uh, the club in London that you didn't want to be, all of a sudden... Chelsea in a much worse position and Tottenham imploding before our very eyes. Um, one of the funniest performances I think I've ever seen on Sunday. And yeah, it kind of followed on from everything we said on the podcast last week, didn't it? Why did they have that structure and set up in place? Well, they obviously don't now, um, but it was pretty damn bad, wasn't it? Is that the fun? Like, there's been a lot of like massive results this season. Man United have been involved in plenty. Uh, but was Spurs being 5-0 down in 20 minutes the worst we've seen? I know I've seen Spurs journalists say it's the worst thing they've ever seen, uh, worst performance from a team that they ever, they've ever seen, but obviously United have given them a run for their money this season. What's your take, Toby? Well, for me, yes, because I think Spurs invited trouble with the team that they selected. In the other games where we've seen carnage and unexpected scorelines there's at least been a plan but a back four with Pedro Porro who in his last 85 games has played at right wing back the only time he played at right back was for 45 minutes against Spain against Scotland he got hooked at half time they lost 2-0 Ivan Perisic at left back that was never going to work in a million years um, it didn't look like they practiced it either did it to be three down after eight minutes when you're a team competing for a Champions League spot against Newcastle, who your direct rival, and for that to happen, I know there's been some other embarrassing results, but surely nothing tops that start. That was awful. Graham, did you enjoy it? Um, yeah, it was interesting. I must admit, I missed all five goals. I got a message of someone saying what is going on in Newcastle, and. Um, yeah, I got a bit of a shock to see it at 5-0. I was due to turn on. I was going to turn it on after about the hour mark, thinking it was going to be quite close. 
But um, no, and as we discussed off pod, I think that's a nail in the coffin for Tottenham's top four hopes. And for everyone else, top four is done and dusted. I agree with Scott, as we said. Um, but I don't think many of us thought that was coming this early, really. Yeah, Newcastle have, I think, played 30, 30-ish, 31 games. Man United have played 30 games. I think I was looking at the points totals that teams beneath them could actually end up getting. And Liverpool, who are in, they've won two games in a row, could only get a max of about 71, 72 points. So that would mean, obviously, Tottenham are well off it at the moment. Aston Villa in the frame. But again, their, their points total comes to about 71 if they win all their games. So that means really that Newcastle and Man United only need about 12 points uh, from their last seven or eight games, which is achievable, you'd say. Uh, so maybe the top four race, after looking quite dramatic, is coming to an end quite early. But never know. You never know. Man United have a brain fart in them. Maybe they will have a brain fart at the under the cauldron of noise that is uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Thursday night. Or maybe Man United score in the first minute. Mauricio Pochettino gets announced as Chelsea manager on Thursday at two o'clock and the whole world implodes. We'll see. Uh, we'll talk about Pochettino in a little bit. We'll talk Julian Nagelsmann. We'll talk Harry Kane. We'll talk Tottenham and what the hell they're going to do next. We'll talk some Man United, David De Gea and his new contract, Man United's new striker search, Harry Maguire, Lionel Messi, Brighton contract stuff. And uh, maybe we'll see at the end uh, we'll touch on Real Madrid if we have a bit of time. But please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey. 90min.com for all the latest. 90min.com forward slash talking transfers or all the latest transfer news from us. 90min underscore football on all the socials as well to follow everything that we do. Uh, but let's look at the probably the big news at the moment. Mauricio Pochettino is lined up for Chelsea. Uh, this is a managerial search for Chelsea that's gone on. I, I suppose, can we compliment them for how they've gone about this? The Nagelsmann episode and them being close to him and then him dropping out of the risk completely is maybe a little bit chaotic, but they seem like they're getting probably the right fit, Graham. Yeah, Um from the outset, they always said it's professional, thorough, exhaustive, a bit too exhaustive for some people. Julian Nagelsmann, for one, you know, we understand that he th- he thought he was getting offered that job last week, Scott. Instead, he was invited to another round of talks, and that was the straw that broke the camel's back for him. He was he was ready to take the job, but he walked away. He wasn't happy with the process at that point. Which fair play to him. I think he saw that as um, possibly a sign of what was to come in the future. So he thought, no, I can't work with this club. So he walked away. That was after the already strange one that they ruled Enrique out. It really was. Clearly, they had different issues with how they see the club going forward. But, you know, you can't appoint that manager if you don't agree on things. And unlike Mauricio Pochettino, who is moving forward, um, we, we ran a piece in February, it was, I think, around that time where Pochettino was considered to replace Graham Potter at that point. I'm told that was an issue for Todd Burley and Chelsea hierarchy at one point that he turned him down. But he made it clear, Pochettino, during these talks that he wasn't willing to talk talk about a job with someone with a manager in place. So that that was the hurdle got over quite quickly. It made it clear. And then they accepted that. It's a fair comment. It's a fair way to approach things, isn't it? You respect other managers. So once they got that over the line, it was a job that he want, he's wanted. 
Um, he likes the club. He thinks he can take it forward. He thinks he, do you know what I mean? It's that blend, very similar blend to what he was getting to at Tottenham with some world-class players and some brilliant young talent. I think he's a very good fit. I do. Um, it always looked like one. Of the, like it looked like Enrique Nagelsmann. Pochettino was always there in the, in, in the background. And yeah, um, talks have gone well, well over the weekend. They accelerated on Monday. And yeah, by the end of the week, the, he should be confirmed from what we're hearing. At the very least, by the end of the week, if not earlier. Toby, Toby is it fair to say though? I, I I think it's probably the right fit for Chelsea in the circumstances. But obviously, he does like to work with smaller squads. There's a lot of people technically above him who are getting involved with signing players, selling players. Todd Bowley's Todd Bowley. We we know about him. Uh, quite vocal, to say the least. A uh, bit brash. Is how do you see Pochettino fitting in here? Is he a little bit of a? Do you think Nagelsmann looked at it and thought there's too much going on here? I don't have enough control. And is Pot? I'm I'm speculating here, but is Pochettino maybe looking at this and thinking, well, it's a good opportunity for me, but is he necessarily going to get the? the control that he wants with so many people in the frame, because you look at the size of that squad, there's a lot, they, they, they have a transfer team that doesn't include the head coach. He's going to have to integrate into that because they need to ship some players out because if he's working with 40 players next season, it ain't going to work. Yeah, I think Pochettino must have received a load of assurances, to be honest. The one thing that, we've said on this podcast all along is that whoever goes into Chelsea will need to be a really good man manager and they're going to have to sift through a really, really big squad and work out who they want to keep and who they want to get rid of quite quickly. I think Pochettino's probably accepted that some of that responsibility will need to be delegated because of the hierarchy that Chelsea have got in place. But if there's one manager who's very fondly thought of by his previous players, it's Pochettino at Spurs, everybody spoke about the atmosphere that was around the club at that point. And Chelsea's atmosphere right now is anything but perfect. It's building an extra um, sized dressing room, putting extra chairs in, etc. Um, lots of kamikaze decisions and people not really know what's going on. But Pochettino, I think, will bring structure and identity to Chelsea. And look, if he can look past the fact that he's not going to have complete control, because I don't think he will, and he can focus on the on-pitch elements that Chelsea really need to address, then it could be a very successful appointment. Um, he will need to be strong-willed, though, because this is the biggest job, I think, in football at the moment, just because of the amount of eyes that are on Chelsea and the amount of money that's involved and the amount that they've already spent. Um, I'm just wondering, actually, Scott, how Spurs fans are really going to take to this news, because I think there's always been a bit of an undercurrent that, Pochettino, I oh, won't take it, will he? No, he loves Spurs too much. He wouldn't go to Chelsea. We even spoke to some of our colleagues a couple of weeks ago when we went out for lunch and they were adamant that Pochettino wouldn't do this. But as Graham's just said to you there, he's always, he's never ruled it out at any point. Even when he spoke to them in Feb, it was an admiration thing for Graham Potter and it was a doing the right thing. Um, I wonder if that's going to tarnish his legacy in some way or whether or not Spurs fans will think of him differently for taking this. Maybe they'll have to. Um, Graham, I'll ask you in a second, but Tottenham obviously have their own managerial vacancy and have had it. We've known Antonio Conte was going since that interview that he did. Obviously, they took some time to actually pull the trigger there. But 
why should Mauricio Pochettino wait around for Tottenham to maybe call him when there's a club who are not, maybe I'll get a bit of flack for this, not Tottenham's most fierce rivals. We know that's Arsenal, but obviously uh, Chelsea are a big, uh, a big rival to Spurs. But Pochettino's been out of work for a while. He has an opportunity here to work with more resources perhaps than he's ever had, maybe barring PSG, but there's so many players in that team that he could probably take his pick about the players he wants to work with. They're young. They should have energy. Uh, they're committed to long-term contracts. If he can get them working for him, it's a great opportunity for Mr. Mauricio Pochettino. And you can't really, if you're a manager who wants to get into work, and if you say, he's gone on record of saying he loves working in the Premier League, he probably would have took the Man United job if they'd have offered it to him, but they went with Eric Ten Hag. This is a great opportunity for Pochettino. So why should he wait around, Graham, to for maybe Spurs to call him? Or maybe they don't at all because they don't want him or, they, or something's happened. I think he's well within his rights, Graham. Yeah, I think his relationship with Daniel Levy, not, it's, not, it's not a bad one, but I don't think the best friends by any stretch of the imagination. I think that is an issue... Daniel Levy has considered whether to go back or not. I think he has as well. I think this is a perfect landing spot for him. You know, I thought United would have been, um, obviously they went down with Ten Hag, right, and being proved right. But I think, you know, Pochettino's got such a low floor. He's, he's a safe pair of hands. He loves working with young players. I think if Chelsea treat him right, he can he can do anything with his team. He really can. He, he What he can do with young players. I think the possibility of him working with someone like Mason Mount, Conor Gallagher, even, you know, these players he can really transform. Even likes of Enzo and Mudrick, you know, who, yeah, they've come in with huge price tags, but they need they need coaching still. They need to learn the game. And who better than Mauricio Pochettino? I think he'd be a fabulous appointment for them. And, yeah, as long as they don't mess things up upstairs, which, you know, they would argue they're just putting in place a European perspective, a European way of running the club. And, yeah, they could very well land on the feet here. I, I, I must admit... I'm biased. I've always, you know, I've always been a huge Pochettino fan. I think Pochettino better point than Nagelsmann. I think they were going down the Nagelsmann route. Part of the reason we're told Enrique pulled away. I think they're going to land on the feet here. I think they're getting the better. Of, if it was between Nagelsmann and Poch, I think they're getting the better of the two options. I really do. Well, they're definitely appointing someone who isn't going to, really going to rock the boat too much. And Nagelsmann, obviously, at Bayern, as we mentioned on previous shows, has fallen out with people. Uh, Pochettino's very much, uh, if he's brought into it, if he's given, he does. He needs time, obviously. Chelsea have always been insistent with Graham Potter that he would get time. Turns out he didn't, but it was it was very, very bad. So they had to act, really. Um, but He's not going to moan about the lack of investment, is he, Scott Pochettino? You yeah, know? of course. And, and, of course. And, and I think part of the sell will be, I don't think he'll want, <laughs> not that he needs it, I don't think he'll need massive. I'm not saying not massive investment. He won't need an awful lot of players to to I think turn them into title contenders. I say I think only maybe three away, good signings. Um, so I think that's obviously what's tempting him as well. He knows he's got a real chance of having getting hold of title contenders here, and I think he believes that. Do you think one thing to um? Sorry, Scott. Just wanted to say it's not as if Pochettino is going in blind here as well from being at a high pressure job because he's been at PSG. And okay, the similar the hierarchy isn't totally the same as what Chelsea have got in place, but there's a fair bit of interference there. There was lots of expectation at PSG as well, managing some of the best players in the world, but also nurturing young talent. So it's not as if Poch has just had a honeymoon 
career so far managing Spurs where everything was fine and dandy and the same at Southampton he has done this kind of job before albeit for two years so he knows that could what be one of the worst jobs in world football in some ways TC couldn't it haven't Handel Mbappe Neymar and Messi I don't think he gets enough credit sometimes yeah he didn't win the Champions League but to, to cope with that dressing room must have been on some days he must have thought that must have been the hardest job in football in some ways trying to keep them three happy together Wow, you know it's just staggering, really. Um, what what he did at times at PSG, and I don't don't think he gets enough credit for maybe the way he handled that situation. But I say, Scott, he's that sort. He's got that mentality. He's got that relationship with the players, which I think, I think it's going to work. Well, don't forget Unai Emery's been at PSG, serial Europa League winner, doing very well at Aston Villa. Had lots of top jobs. He didn't last very long at PSG. Thomas Tuchel, exactly the same. Mm. Now at Bayern Munich, having won the Champions League at Chelsea. Um, PSG is probably more the problem there rather than the managers that have been there. So, yeah, I think Poch, if they um, if they give him the framework to be able to do what he did at Spurs, it could be a really really smart appointment. Um, and boy, do Chelsea need straightening out with someone with a level head. Um, just before we move on, Toby, do you, Graham thinks title contention. Do you automatically think they'll be in? title mix with Pochettino in charge for me I think he's a safe top five top four not guarantee each season but I think he'll be there or thereabouts they won't be 11th is what I'll say does he have enough to kick them on this is again speculation I don't get that kind of feeling really but there aren't many managers out there who will provide you the guarantee of titles especially with Man City in the league yeah I I agree I think his first Ambition and aim has to be returning Chelsea to the top four. And that would be what he's working towards. Make them a Champions League club again and then build towards title contention. There's going to be too much upheaval for me over the next 12 months for them to be able to string the performances together on the pitch. It is Arsenal-esque in a way where they're going to have to do a little bit of a reset here. And Mikel Arteta needed time <clears throat> excuse me, to do that at Arsenal and now look where they are. Um if Poch achieves top four, I think that's one hell of an accomplishment in his first season. Because don't forget, everyone else is going to strengthen as well. And you've be got top, to be really, be really on it. by next season? With the, the Champions League reforms coming the season after? England's top is, coefficient yeah, rankings, I believe, is top five. Oh, it really maybe it's decided later on. But I think, I think there's a fundamental change coming by the time next season rolls around. It suits the Premier League as well, doesn't it? Just it's The Premier League never looks stronger. And we've got the likes of Newcastle, Villa... Even Brighton, Liverpool, and Chelsea to come. That that's a come, it comes an ideal time for the Premier League. Yeah, that's uh, Graham, you mentioned bad news. Yeah, Sorry, that's sorry, desperately sorry. bad news for the rest of Europe, isn't it? The fact yeah. that England are now going to have five positions in the Champions League. There's already all the money in our league anyway. The transfer market is going to be even more weighted in the Premier League's favour. Um, it already is, isn't it? And long may it continue, TC. Long may it continue. <laughs> Just a few years, Graham Middlesbrough will be there soon. Don't worry, you'll get a you'll get a state buyout or something like that. You know, well, by the time, all, we've, we've every season got... we'll have we'll have rich owners in in charge of all twenty Premier League clubs. We've already got a state, the state of Teesside. It's already owned by Teesside, so we're happy. You, you, Graham, you mentioned Mason Mount a little bit earlier. Mm. Uh, looks like he's going to be ruled out for the rest of the season alongside Rhys James. What is What's the position with Mason Mount and Chelsea at the moment? We know that Liverpool are interested, uh, but we have said never really rule out an extension at Chelsea. Will Pochettino's employment change that? 
Well, we did a story last week suggesting that um, there was this renewed confidence at Chelsea about Mount. Um, and we were first with that. And then it, it turns out that is the case. You know, people, other people caught on to that. And it appears that they're willing to even consider it a shorter term deal, a two or three. But I think, yeah, once someone like Potch comes in, I think Mount will be won over by this. There was always that expectation in Chelsea that they really didn't want to lose this kid. And... Amount the fact he's come back to the table or he's been receptive to it in the last few weeks. Um, I think yeah, there's a real growing confidence there, and and we've seen it. I think with Liverpool, where yeah, if he's available, Liverpool are going to be all in for him. But I think there's a real acceptance there. That then there's a real fear with Liverpool behind the scenes. I think they were hoping that Graham Potter might stay for the rest of the season. That would have helped their pursuit of Mason Mount. The fact he's gone, the fact that Major is coming in, yeah, I. I don't see Mason Mount leaving the summer. I really don't. I think there's going to be plenty of other exits, but he won't be one of them, I don't think. It would just seem a bit weird if Mason Mount left, Mason Mount left Chelsea, wouldn't it? It just, you know, academy lad. Uh, Especially if it's Poch, isn't it? He's the one. Yeah. He's one. If, if you could pick out three or four players, who's going to benefit most from Pochettino? He is on top of the list, isn't he? Who could really benefit from Pochettino? The interesting thing is they have so many players... <laughs> transfer jigsaw like which players yeah. stick out uh as Mauricio Pochettino players is the obviously the game we've been playing uh today at 90 min uh, Toby what is uh we've we talked about Mateo Kovacic as well and uh, we've re- reported on Mateo Kovacic interest uh from other Premier League clubs in in recent weeks uh his agents have been in England again uh Kovacic out of contract as well in 2024 I believe so he is another one of those players that is entering final year of his contract. If you renew, then we'll keep you. If you don't, you're gone kind of thing. So is that looking likely? What, what's the latest? Yeah, Kovacic is 28 now, isn't he? He's also getting to the Chelsea threshold if they don't tend to keep players beyond 30 unless they're Thiago Silva level of good. Um, and Kovacic, he hasn't been playing week in, week out for Chelsea. Um, I think his his time at the club has not been beset by injuries, but he's had a couple of niggles and things that have disrupted um, any real pattern of form. But on his day, he's one of the most complete Premier League midfielders in terms of what he can offer aside. Uh, we know Man City, Manchester United, Liverpool, all interested in Kovacic. They've all held talks with his representatives over the, the past few months. Um, and those talks are still continuing. And his agents... Are just feeling out, I guess, what his next steps could be because his future, as well as many others at Chelsea, far from certain. Um, I don't think you'd put him on the list of maybe five, maybe 10 players, even who you would say, Chelsea are absolutely not going to let this player go. Kovacic is not in that bracket. Um, probably only Enzo Fernandez and Mason Mount, you'd really say, in that midfield group. I'm putting Mason Mount in that. I know that we're talking about him moving away. Those are the only two that you would say are cast iron to be staying at Chelsea. You think Kovacic is probably going to be moving on. But for me, I don't see Chelsea wanting to allow him to go to a rival. That's the thing here. Um, Graham, I'm not sure whether or not you see Man City or Liverpool really pushing for this, but Kovacic would certainly tick boxes for them, wouldn't he? I, I do, talk. I think if a player like that falls into lap, I think it's why Manchester United have looked Liverpool City. You get a plug-and-play, high, high-calibre Premier League player. And I think Chelsea don't have this issue with moving between clubs. We've seen it with Todd Burley, the fact that he's been able to sign Raheem Sterling 
someone like that from a rival. I don't think Chelsea um, are firm believers in that. I don't think Todd Burley, coming from the American system, he doesn't have an issue with moving players on. You know, if he doesn't want to stay, he goes. And in Kovacic, as we did in the United piece a few weeks ago, um, he's not one who was top of City Liverpool United's lists, but the fact that he might be available at a reasonable price, it might just be too good for some of these to turn down. You know, Liverpool, yeah, they're going to be looking at a graven back. They're looking at players like that, um, Bellingham as well. But someone like Kovacic, at 28, coming into his prime, you could argue, he's he's been fan- he, he's an unsung hero in some ways. He's been a fabulous player for Chelsea. But if you can get him, I think someone is getting a tremendous player. I could I could see him at any of the, I could see him at Liverpool, City, and United. I could see him at all three. I think he's that good. Well, the, as you say, Toby, there. Um... As we said earlier, Premier League clubs are very rich. And the thing with Chelsea is, if they want to sell any of their 800 players, <laughs> they probably will get the best money from a Premier League club. So, you know, uh, there's not... Uh, cash isn't too rich in Italy, Spain, generally. It's the wages, Scott, isn't it? It's the wages, that's the wages, what we see. Yeah. It's the wages what kills these deals where... You know, the, the Premier League can sign these players because normally if you're spending huge money on these players, they don't come with a huge wage until they get to England. But to, to get a player out of the Premier League, as as United have found out with the likes of Eric Bailly, who's coming back, Phil Jones, who's still there, and Chelsea are going to have this issue. They already, they've seen Hakim Ziyech. They couldn't get rid of him, but struggled um, if it wasn't for that fax machine in, in Paris. But it, it's a real struggle. Um, it's not just Chelsea. United have been there. A lot of clubs have been there. You know, We see it with any of these... Premier League reserves, getting rid of them is really, really hard because they want so much money. We'll come on to Harry Maguire in a little bit. (laughs) Just one final thing, Scott. You've mentioned midfield midfield dominoes in past podcasts. Kovacic could be quite a key player because he's not going to be hugely expensive, is he? Because of Mm -hmm. the amount of time he's got left on his contract, that's what makes him such an appealing option. Uh, He's not going to cost 60, 70, 80 million like some of the other players on the market. And Mm -hmm. as you say, Graham, he's plug and play, isn't he? He's got five years of Premier League experience. And although Chelsea are not doing well right now, when Chelsea were performing Mm -hmm. at their top level, coincided with Kovacic playing at his best as well. You can't, the thing with Chelsea is if you are going to give Kante this new deal, which I think we've all ummed and had over, really. Then if he gets it, Kovacic can't. You can't just keep all these players on these huge contracts. Um, it's just not doable. Maybe Pochettino will change that. But let's talk. Uh, let's look across to Spurs. And actually, before we do, what must Harry Kane be thinking? Yeah, uh, he yeah. has one year left on his contract with Tottenham. Tottenham have been very bullish publicly in saying, we ain't selling Harry Kane to another English club. Uh but Harry Kane has more power in his hands now than he probably ever has with one year left on his deal. Chelsea, Pochettino, are they, is there a chance, Graham? Well, that's, I, I, I messaged you last week, didn't I, Scott, when we first heard this rumour, and it was last week. Um, I know we're, we're always very wise in hindsight, aren't we? But we did hear it last week. And... Yeah, and as you said at the start of the show, though, Scott, it was interesting to hear you talking about that rivalry that is there, but obviously it's not Arsenal-Tottenham, is it? You know, it's not. And I think I just think Chelsea are in the market for number nine. Yes, they love Vin- Osiman. They're going to go for him. But if a chance of getting Harry Kane, I, I'd be amazed if he didn't ask the question. You know, during, this, during these talks, 
obviously Harry Kane will have come off. Chelsea would have asked him about Harry Kane, Pochettino, of course he would. You know, Harry Chelsea need number nine. They're going to sign number nine. Most likely be Osterman. Will they? Will they put an offer into Tottenham? Why not? Is 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 Daniel Levy? If they put 120 of Harry Kane, is Daniel Levy going to turn that down? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs> would 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 Harry would Harry Kane take the? I I think I think Dan Libby is more likely to take Chelsea money than Manchester United money. I don't know what you think about that, Scott. Don't you think? Do you think? I think Chelsea pay more. Do you think Levy is more likely to take Chelsea money though than United? He's got a long memory, Daniel Levy, hasn't he? Well, I mean, I'm speculating again. I've said I'm speculating four mm. times in this podcast so far, but surely Daniel Levy and Harry Kane probably know that Chelsea are. are more of a hot rival to Tottenham than Man United are. So I'd be surprised. I, I'd also be surprised if Harry Kane, there's one club in England, maybe two. If, if Newcastle were a year down the line, I'd put Newcastle in this as well. But, you know, Harry Kane, if he's going to leave Spurs, he has a fair out now. Uh, most Tottenham fans will understand. If he turns out and moves to Chelsea... He's burning some bridges for me. Toby? I agree. And I don't think Daniel Levy would sell to Chelsea. I think he would rather sell to Manchester United purely because the supporters feel like there is an intense rivalry with Chelsea. It's not Arsenal levels, but it exists. And they've got history in terms of recent big games, those two. Um, Let's not forget as well, Spurs have announced to their fan advisory board. I'm not sure they'd be advising Daniel Levy to sell Harry Kane to Chelsea put it that way, um, when Chelsea are struggling so badly and they're losing their hero potch to uh, to Chelsea. I don't think that would go down too well if Harry Kane rocked up, even if it was for £120 million. I wouldn't put Chelsea, put it past Chelsea paying it or offering to pay it. That's all yeah, that, that, I can see to me, yes, Harry would take it as a very different subject. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's move on more general Spurs conversation. Beaten 6-1 at Newcastle. Uh, very interesting turn of events there. Christian Stellini, Antonio Conte light without the uh, public berations of his team. Instead, he just preferred to rival Roberto de Zerbi on the touchline. That, that's the way he went about it. It was Tottenham's move to sack Conte and put Stellini in there was just a little bit weird. And it turns out, after a few weeks, they've figured out that it's actually not the right approach. And Ryan Mason is now in charge. 
Tottenham in utter disarray. You mentioned the fan advisory board announcement there, Toby. They've offered to refund match tickets, probably not realizing that the travel up to Newcastle from London cost a hell of a lot more money than the tickets themselves. But hey, at least they're giving something back. Graham, what do, what do Spurs do now? They have Ryan Mason until the end of the season. Tops Top four looks, unless they miraculously turn things around, they could beat Man United on Thursday. Maybe things change, but as we said earlier, United only need to win about four games out of their last eight to probably get top four. Uh, where are Spurs going to turn? Uh, there is Julian Nagelsmann, Luis Enrique, Brendan Rodgers, a ton of ton of managers who are linked with it. But are Spurs maybe... How, Spurs, how quickly are Spurs going to do this? Are they going to be waiting until they know what competition they're in next season? Are they going to do it now? How's it looking? Talks, talks are ongoing now in the background. They've already held talks with Luis Enrique. Someone who Daniel Levy liked all along, he's an option. Obviously, they need to find a new spotting director of football. Um, interesting, Monchi's name come up. He had that link with Enrique. Didn't work with him, but he tried to to get him during his time at Roma. Um, yeah, there's lots of options. Final Danny Slot is someone who's getting a lot of attention. Um, as you mentioned, Brendan Rodgers, Thomas Frank, Oli Glasner. There's a lot of options out there for them. It's which route to go down. If, if you're going to appoint someone to try and keep Harry Kane on that subject, you know, there's not many there. There's only Lewis and Rika, I think, and maybe Nagelsmann, um, who could possibly offer enough to, to warrant Kane signing that new deal. Nagelsmann's an interesting one. He had previously said no to Spurs, or he'd backed away from it whilst he was having Chelsea talks, because as we said, he thought he was taking the Chelsea job, really. And that's one reason Enrique stepped away from the Chelsea job. He's now showing interest. I, I can't see Julian Nagelsmann at Tottenham, I've got to be honest. I'd, I'd don't see that fit. Luis Enrique, on the other hand, is someone who's he's had talks with Levy. He's been in there. Um, it's been going for a few weeks now. I think he's a dream appointment for Daniel Levy. And I guess for many Spurs fans, I haven't talked to many on this subject, but I guess for many Spurs fans as well, he would be the dream appointment. In my heart, heart can I see them getting Enrique over the line? Daniel Levy, the club. I just can't see him doing it. I just can't see how Daniel Levy sells this project to him, gets it over the line. I wish him well. I'd love to see Enrique at Spurs in the Premier League. I just can't see him doing it. Um, I keep coming back to Brendan Rodgers. As you know, I, I think this might be Brendan Rodgers' job. Um, I do. I don't know why. It's just a feeling I have. He, we know he's on the list. Daniel Levy likes him. Um, he's a very good Premier League manager. I think it might fall in his lap, the way it's going. I look forward to the Spurs fan reaction. <laughs> Oh, I Won't be overwhelmingly positive, I can tell you that much. It will not. It's, it's, right? a, it's all of them, though, isn't it? Like, do, do you, Annie Slot, do you appoint someone who, I spot to some fact, cruelly already dubbed um, uh, Poor Man's Eric Ten Hag by some? Um, Oliver Glasner. You. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you, if you should have had the lead, he turned down the Leeds job, didn't he? Vincent Company, is he ready for the Tottenham draw? I don't think so. It's it's such a hard call. You know, I think Nagel's Menorica, yeah, if you get one of those, that would be great. I just, it's a real, it's a real tough. I think Spurs fans are quite frightened actually where it's going to go. And as you say, if it does end up with Brendan Rodgers, not all of them are going to be convinced by that. I think this is a massive reflection on the state of Spurs' squad. Touched on it at the start. They played a different formation. They got absolutely torn apart by Newcastle. 
It's why it's so different to Chelsea, isn't it, TC? It's why it's so different to Chelsea, where we know we laughed and Scott's had a lot of laughs about Chelsea, etc. But within that 60-man pool, there's a very good team. Whereas, as you say, Tottenham, it's a very different picture, isn't it, TC? Well, Tottenham are hamstrung by the personnel that they've got. I've said all along they need seven or eight signings, not just to bulk out the team, but to allow them to play a different formation. They're so set in their ways. They have to play three at the back right now because they don't actually have any fullbacks. Even Destiny Udogi, who's coming in in the summer, has been playing through Udinese in a 3-5-2 all season long. So what are Spurs going to do when they appoint a new manager? Are they going to force the new manager to play this system? I mean, what does this work? Brendan plays back three, doesn't he? Uh, he can. Brendan Rodgers can. He can, but he has played both at Leicester, hasn't he? Actually, I think they're... Spurs to me they don't appeal as a top Premier League job they are the seventh most appealing job in this division so can they realistically expect to appoint Nagelsmann I don't know Luis Enrique maybe but he's going to have one hell of a job there if he does take it getting the personnel that he wants in um and can you keep building around Harry Kane and Son for the next few years? They just have to take, they have that to seems bite to be the, the plan. To me, they, they have to bite the bullet, raise some cash, sell Harry Kane, and just buy young players. Just do it. Get a manager in who plays the football you want to play, who's young. Regenerate. Give up your position. You're already out of the top four. You're already out of it. Rebuild from the bottom. Honestly, Spurs' plan has been Kane and Son, hasn't it, for the past four or five years? It's all right because we've got those two and they'll score enough goals to take us into whatever we want to achieve. It can't keep going on like that, can it? Um, And actually, Son was absolutely anonymous on Sunday. Anonymous. Like the entire Spurs team. Uh, Manchester (laughs) United are the next uh, opponents for Tottenham. Let's talk about them. Uh, David De Gea is close to signing the reduced contract that reduced con- re- contract extension on reduced terms. Is what I wanted to say, contract extension on reduced terms. He's on around. He's their highest earner, around three hundred seventy-five thousand pound a week. Currently, United have an option to extend that, but do not want to because De Gea's status has diminished from being the world's best goalkeeper over the past few years. Probably closer, Graham, to 200-ish a week, maybe. Um, do we have a line on that? Slightly more, I think. He's, he's willing to take well over 100 reduction. Um, it looks like a two-year deal with an option is what's coming out, but that may that may change. You know, The general terms are agreed. He's going to stay. We know Ten Hag likes him a lot from not just his goalkeeping, he does like his goalkeeping, but it's what he brings to the dressing room. You know, He's such an influential figure. And, and as I've said on pre- previous pods, you know, it's the goalkeeper situation is being looked at. It is something they know is an area that needs to be addressed, just not maybe not this summer, maybe not next 12 months. So we do know that. And and I, you know, he's had issues at times, but as I said, I don't think um, it's the biggest issue my United have got this summer. Um, so I think it's a very, it's a, a really sensible choice. You know, they've both been in agreement. They've been talking since late last year. And, and and as we say in the story, Scott, it doesn't stop them looking at an alternative to coming to rival him, which I think we probably will see um, someone like that come in. But yeah, I think it's just something they wanted to get done. 
it's, it'll be done dusted within within the next few weeks. We understand, if not sooner. And I think it's a sensible choice. I really do. I know a lot of United fans jumping on the, on the bandwagon after a performance at Seville. But, yeah, um, I just I still think it's a class act and I don't see it as a, a major issue it needs doing in the next 12 months. I think it's something they can work at. Clearly, Eric Ten Hag agrees with you. Uh, but United are looking at other positions. Centre forward, as we've alluded to so far on this podcast, is their priority. We've already talked about Harry Kane. We reported early this week that United, along with Newcastle, have sent scouts to watch Benjamin Benjamin Sesco. Uh, scored for RB Salzburg against Sturm Graz in a top-of-the-table clash in the Austrian Bundesliga. Has really hit form. I think he has seven. He has eight goals in his last seven league games. It's getting to that point now where you know there's been a lot of fuss around him for a little while. He already has a transfer arranged for this summer and agreed to RB Leipzig, who are the sister club of Salzburg. Twenty-four million euros. That is for a 19-year-old who is potentially going to become one of Europe's best strikers in the next few years. We have re- we've Graham. We've reported on. Uh, not only United and Newcastle, but a number of clubs interested in Sesco mm. since this transfer was agreed. Do you want to just like clear this up for a second? Because we have a lot of replies saying, oh, he's already agreed to join Leipzig, though. Uh, yes. But yes, we should probably say. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Because obviously, once he goes in this window, even if even if he put, even if he played a game for um, Leipzig, he's still moving, he can move again. Um, but the thing is here that Leipzig can make a quick profit on him because almost double the money probably Scott on a player that, that, that won't play for them. And the thing is with this player, um, we've been looking at him more than this since last summer, where he's been a lot of radars. A lot of scouts really, really think this guy is something special. I've seen bits of him. I think he's been really impressive this season when he has played. They think the scene on him is huge, and I think the way United and maybe Newcastle look looking at it because Newcastle. They are still looking for a striker. We understand Callum Wilson. It's now a story. Callum Wilson may be sold this summer. He wants regular first-team football, something which he might not get. So that's why Newcastle might very well be in the market for another striker. And same United, where do you let him go to Leipzig? And in 18 months, he's going to cost you £100 million. Or do you do it now? And that's a, a lot of clubs are doing that. Real Madrid has started doing it. It was after that Hazard thing, wasn't it, where why didn't we just sign from Leo? Why did we leave him at Chelsea and then pay whatever? A lot of clubs are doing this now. Even the biggest clubs in the world are... Let's buy them at the source now. Let's go and let's what's what our scouts doing? Let's buy them early and produce them ourselves. I think that's why you're seeing someone like Sesco, Kudos at Ajax as well, Ramos at Benfica to a less extent. You know, why if anyone in the Premier League if you have confidence, United surely in Eric Ten Hag, if he thinks that someone like Sesco can be a world class striker, who better Scott to give him a project? He's not an out and out project. Look, he's doing it, he's doing it for a Salzburg, he's looking, looking the guy, and he's only nineteen. I, I, I do wonder if United do go down this route, Scott, of, of someone like a Kudos or a Sesco, who in eighteen months could be the man, could be the new Haaland. Um, rather than spending a hundred, yeah, Kane and Osimhen, if you can do that, you probably will do that. But the next option isn't a bad one. Do you, do you think it is going to be one or the other, Graham? Because we reported in this story that it would United have one list of ready-made established targets, your Canes, your Ossermans. Uh, we've talked Dusan Vlajevic before at Juventus, mm. not having a great season, but he is of the right age, has done it in Serie A for Fiorentina. 
like Tara Martinez is 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 one another name on the list, and you've just mentioned there. So there's there's one list of established targets who will probably cost a lot more money, and then there's another list of players who are projects in a sense from 19 to what mm. 21, 22 years old that they can work with, but mm. maybe wouldn't deliver straight away. Is it is it one or the other? Could they potentially do one of each? Or is how are they looking at it? Obviously, a lot depends on the ownership as well. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule it out, Scott. You know, if you signed if you signed a Kane or an Ossiman, could you see like maybe a Kudos coming in as well? I wouldn't rule it out. I think that's distinctly possible. But I think they are looking at it to, it's the value of some of these players. Look at Kola Moani as a player they've looked at as well. But he's already a hundred million. It, it, it's staggering some of these deals that have been asked for. So, yeah, I wouldn't rule out. I think if you got the midfielder they wanted, they've got an Osterman or a Kane or a Vlaovic through the door, I wouldn't necessarily rule out another front man, especially if you get Martial out, which is obviously what they want. I think that's it's a it's like a mini Chelsea situation as well, Scott. If you can get these players out the door, um, another player we'll talk about soon, Maguire, if you get him out the door, yeah, a centre-half suddenly is on, the, is, is on the agenda as well. I think that is a major thing here. I think where even if you didn't get rid of any players at United, you're going to bring in a number nine and you're going to bring in that extra midfielder. Then it, then we'll see the other players going out, which will help feed the squad as well. Of course, Man City did it last year. They signed Erling Haaland and Julian Alvarez. I know they signed Alvarez in the January for the summer, right? But, you know, it's two, it's two new strikers of the right age profile who are coming in, and uh, Alvarez probably hasn't got as much football as he'd like, but he's signed a new contract with City. And that is City's attack sorted for five yeah. years. No, I don't disagree with that. I could, I could see, I could see you, you're doing that, Scott. I don't think it's beyond the realms of fantasy at all. Especially, I say, if Marshall goes, there's room for two, isn't there? I think. Exactly. Toby, Perfect. tell us about how. Sorry, I was just going to say that's a perfect example of signing one at source, Julian Alvarez, and signing one like Erling Haaland, who is more established. And then you've got the compliment of Haaland starting the majority of the games for now, 15, 20 minutes before the end of the game, Alvarez comes on, etc. Um, yeah, it's a good model to follow. But United will be hard-pressed to find two two players of that calibre, put it that way. Toby, can you tell us about Harry Maguire? Yeah, so obviously you touched on there that United, in order to bring players in, may need to ship players out. But Harry Maguire has made a lot of mistakes, high-profile mistakes. Um, pressure is mounting on him. We've said for a number of months, might even be close to a year now, that United are willing to let Harry Maguire go. But the stumbling block is most likely his wages. He's on close to £200,000 a week. At Manchester United, and we've already touched on there that European clubs don't have the money that Premier League clubs do. So the only way that United may be able to offload Harry Maguire in the short term is a loan deal. Um, it's our understanding that Juventus, Milan and Inter all interested in taking Harry Maguire to Italy, where conceivably you could say that he would fit in uh, to the style of play in Serie A. Um, a lot of three-man central defences, which we know Harry Maguire tends to play well in. Pace of players, perhaps a little bit slower. Um, and it's not something that United would want to do. They would prefer to sanction a permanent transfer, but they may need to be manoeuvrable, flexible in order to make um, FFP regulations. And it's something that can't be ruled out at this stage. And Maguire, in terms of his camp and what he's thinking, I think he's open to the idea, or we understand he's open to the idea of leaving to go abroad. Um, 
that's not to say that it's definitely going to happen. He's obviously still United's club captain, but he's not playing regular games for Eric Ten Hag and he's not going to play regular games moving forward. I think it's quite clear that Rafael Varane and Lissandro Martinez are United's first choice centre-back pairing, Scott. And if anything, that will be added to in the coming years, not complemented by Maguire. I'd even add Luke Shaw to that. Uh, he is he is the understudy for Lisandro Martinez, and I would imagine we'll see that for the remainder of the season if he stays fit as well. I have doubts about whether Maguire is going to even get back in for the rest of the season. If Victor Lindelof and Luke Shaw played like they did at Wembley against Brighton, feel like that's your two that you rely on, and Maguire's the floating piece around. I'm sure he'd be a rotated in at times, but he's not. He doesn't seem the right fit, Harry Maguire. But let's uh, jump across last couple of sections of the show let's jump across to barcelona where as we've been suggesting for months graham Lionel messi seemed bound to go back doesn't he it all went to pot for him it was all agreed it was all gonna happen and then the plug was pulled and he joined psg is this the emotional reunion on the horizon for Lionel messi at barcelona yeah um, it's our understanding. Um, talks are advancing. They are making it clear that whilst they're advancing, it's not going to be straightforward at all. They're looking at all avenues to get this deal over in line. This in- could include the player becoming part of the club's hierarchy. You know, I've heard talks of being vice president, club roles, board member. They're looking at everything here. We saw it last year, didn't we? So when we talked about where Sporting Lisbon looked at possibly bringing Ronaldo in as a part owner. Obviously, Barcelona can't do that. The Republic. Um, publicly owned um, by their members etc so they can't really do that but they're looking at all different ways of doing this to offset his playing contract um, we've seen very that Javier, Barcelona we have we it, it's a it's a shame we've seen Javier Tebez obviously he's already come out we need La Liga need to obviously um, authorise any contracts going forward and we've seen they haven't done that with Gavi and Raldo Rujo. Barcelona were really unhappy about this in Liga but they're going to make sure going forward that they avoid this um, situation again or they're going to try to and Javier Tebas has already warned them that he doesn't think he's already said he doesn't think it's feasible but I'll wait to see what Barcelona come up with he's already preempted it um, but yeah, we understand that Barcelona are doing everything and they're telling people from top to bottom we are getting Messi back. It's already gone as far as he's been promised his, his number 10 shirt back, which is part of the marketing. So Ansu Fati is going to have to look for another number come next season, is our belief. But they're also doing stuff like with Ilke Gundogan as well. So they're going to have to make moves in the squad. And that will mean some of their most sellable assets do have to leave the club. Xavi does come out every week and say he loves every single player. He thinks every single player is really important to them. But sorry, Zavi, you're going to lose some players here. And the two two of the most sellable assets got are two players we know very well in the pod, Frankie de Jong and Usman Dembele. Frankie de Jong, yeah, he's very important to his team. But but if you're signing Ilkay Gundogan, you've already got Frank Kessie, who's probably going to be one of the ones who goes as well. But you've got Pedri, you've got Gavi. As good as de Jong is, nobody's unsellable and I think De Jong this is the summer where he, he may leave they may have to to get this messy deal over line they've got to make an awful lot of money this summer and if you look at the Barcelona squad yeah it's full of stars but how many are really sellable and I think the most sellable asset in the squad is Frankie De Jong and I'm being told he will be on the agenda um, to go as will Dembele who wants a new contract 
he wants his money bumping back up, which isn't going to happen at Barca. So I'd keep an eye on those two. I think De Jong and Dembele may have to go. If they really, really want Messi and for the Spanish authorities to authorise his contract, they're going to have to make some big sacrifices. And I think De Jong and Dembele will be two of them. From Barcelona and how Barcelona have played football down the years to a team who plays like Barcelona in Brighton and Hove Albion. <laughs> Toby. <laughs> uh, well, they, they, have, they have their own World Cup winner, don't they? They've they got their own indeed. World Cup winner. Uh, take knock, us knock home. Out, knocked out the cup competition by United as well, but they've got it in common with Barca. They, they really do. Take us home, Toby, with uh, Alexis McAllister and Evan Ferguson. Alexis McAllister is fast becoming one of the Premier League's most wanted players, isn't he? Um, brilliant for Brighton all season, brilliant for Argentina at the World Cup. Signed a new contract actually earlier in the season to commit his, quote, long-term future to Brighton. But when you're playing as well as he is, I think it's understandable that the itch to move on to a bigger club um, kind of accelerates. And McAllister has got all of the Premier League big boys looking out for him. Uh, Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea, Newcastle, City and United all watching him, all monitoring his situation. Liverpool, we believe, leading a chase potentially at this point. Um, we know that they're going to strengthen their midfield with hopefully three new signings um, for next season. And McAllister is one player that they're looking at. The only thing is he won't come cheap, um, but there's a willingness for him to move. His dad, Carlos, is actively um, speaking in the media of his son's desire to play at a higher level than Brighton. So, Brighton don't want to sell in an ideal world, but we've seen that they will sell if the price is right. Ben White, Leandro Trossard, Mark Kukurea, three examples that we can point to. Might cost about 70 million or so to get him out of Brighton. And again, that's only money that you will see a Premier League team pay. So we're anticipating McAllister to leave this summer, but there's a firm expectation that he is going to stay in the Premier League. It's now a question of uh, which of the big six are going to stump up the money interesting we'll see uh, what Liverpool do because they obviously have wanted Jude Bellingham for some time uh, but Alexis McAllister proven Premier League player but Brighton have picked him up uh, for next to nothing the Brighton machine rolls on uh, Evan Ferguson they're going to tie down as well yeah he's staying Evan Ferguson very impressive teenager, Republic of Ireland's next great hope. Our colleague Jack Gallagher has been waxing lyrical about Ferguson for months. Um, we understand a new long-term contract is agreed. That will run until 2028, and that's to ward off a number of interested parties who are undoubtedly going to be looking at Ferguson over the next 12, 18 months. Um, so confirmation of that is expected shortly and would follow Andrew Moran, who's another player, Graham, that you've spoken about Um very highly promising youngster who signed a new four-year contract at Brighton yesterday um those two players kind of fitting in with Brighton's vision of training um the next generation and then moving them on for a good price when the time comes definitely two outstanding young players and Evan Ferguson he's obviously got his head screwed on um there's been interest from United Bayern etc but he's never showed any willingness he wants to become a Premier League um, stand out before he moves on. Very sensible. That is it from us today for Talking Transfers. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Graham Bailey, Toby Cudworth, Scott Saunders, 
all on as usual. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey. 90min.com forward slash talking transfers for all the latest transfer news. 90min underscore football on the socials for all of everything that we do from transfer news to your latest news to interviews with former players, current players, etc., etc. Uh, get in touch, follow us, and uh, we'll be back in a week or so for some more talking transfers when undoubtedly more will unfold. We'll see where Tottenham go. We'll see if they make any progress. And I'm talking about with their manager not falling down the table. We'll see how far uh, they get with their planning ahead. But uh, thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Talking Transfers. We'll catch you very soon for another episode. See you soon. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.